0: Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher.
1: Welcome to Seeking Alpha Editor's Roundtable, What Moved Markets This Week, the week ending October 1st, 2021, the last week of September. The last week of the third quarter, it was a bad week for stocks, a bad month for stocks. We had selling across the board. Tech stocks saw the worst of it. NASDAQ down multiple percentage points, more than 5% actually in September. Now, today, Friday, markets are rebounding a little bit, but the damage is done. And it's hard to see what really has prompted this this week. We didn't have any major economic data releases or anything, any major news to move markets to set the narrative, maybe things just got a little bit tired. But I'm curious to hear what my colleagues have to say about all of this, and I will introduce them now in no particular order. I am joined by Brad Oleson, the VP of News, Stephen Alfer, Managing Editor of Breaking News, and our special guest this week is Jason Kapoor, ETF's Editor. Kim Khan is on vacation this week. I want to start with Jason, even though he didn't get the memo about wearing a suit, but that's okay for those of you watching the video. And Jason, as ETFs editor, you have a, a good view, especially into the flows, which I was, I, I was very curious about. And maybe you can get us caught up on what ETFs we're seeing traction this week and which ones we're seeing outflows and kind of how that might be informed by the whole macro picture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the equity exchange traded fund market took in as a whole $3.3 billion. That's what it garnered on the week um, from the latest uh, definitive report. Uh, the two that brought in the most flows this week was actually the iShares Russell 2000 ETF, ticker IWM, and the ProShares Ultra Pro QQQ uh, ETF, which is ticker TQQQ. They both brought in 2.4 billion and 1 billion each, uh, respectively. And if you kind of flip the script, the two ETFs that actually had the largest outflows were actually the kind of the benchmark funds this week. The iShares Core SP 500, ticker IVV, actually lost 5.8 billion. Uh, next in line was the Invesco QQQ, ticker QQQ, obviously, took out 3.1 billion. And that was kind of just a little bit of the shakeup of the landscape. Money markets uh, did bring in the most uh, in terms of all uh, asset classes, uh, but that was a little bit of the shakeup of the land from a flow standpoint. That's really interesting. So, help me out here. So,
1: the QQQ obviously Nasdaq tech shares was that was saw the most outflows, but the inflows was a pro shares that's also tied to tech. Was it a short one or?
0: Yeah, no, no. TQQ is a is a pro shares. It's a bullish version. It's a, it's a little uh-huh. interesting how I guess perhaps it was uh, it. it you know the flows that we get it from the report data side is not day by day. It could have came on the second half of the week. Maybe investors were buying the dip hmm. um, on a, I guess you could say, a bullish trend. Um, but interesting shake up, um, and we'll see how it kind of flows into the next week and into a Q4.
1: Hmm. Very interesting. Well, all right, that'll lead us into the individual stocks and which ones were the winners and losers there. And for that, we have Brad.
2: Yeah, so a, a lot of moving parts this week. Uh, I'll start down just with kind of a top-down um, view, just because there, there were a lot of, like I said, very individual and, and idiosyncratic moves within, within equities. But of course, today is the first day of October. Um, as um, Mark Twain said, it's a very dangerous month for stocks Uh, that comes to us courtesy of LPL, Um, followed by January, July, September, December, June, March, April, Uh, you you get, you get the gist Um, that, you know, but the key there is volatility. Uh, October is by far the most volatile month. It's not a bad month. It just has the most number of 1% moves. So, um, you know, take with that what you will. We also, it was a weird week just because it is the end of the quarter. Um, So, you know that that just that sort sorts of frames the picture here, um, and and when you look at this week particularly in the, and and how the month of September will shake up, Jeffrey's kind of looked at, at, at some of that performance and found that when returns are lower by two percent or more on a month, the snapback is rather abrupt and quick, and the outperformance over the next six months is about two hundred basis points higher. So that's sort of a bullish move just to kind of set the tone into the last quarter. We all know about the Santa Claus rally and everything else in December, but. Um, that gives us kind of a framework to move forward, but this week was all about the the yields, right? Uh, the the ten year yield up above one and a half percent for the first time since June. That has implications for tech names, which are now among the most rate sensitive. It used to be defensive, like utilities and real estate, uh, which were the most impacted by by moves above. Um, you know, these key levels. Uh, Morgan Stanley's macro analysts expect the 10-year now to reach 1.8% by year end. Um, Some of this is going to be inflation. Uh, Some of this is we're, we're seeing some shakeout in the supply chain that's putting upward pressure. The Fed indicates now that they're looking to try to slow some of their purchases of treasuries. Maybe there's some upward pressure on on yields there, um, but I, but I guess it's also important to remember. I think when we all talk about these yields, there's there's the kind of good move in yields and there's the bad move in yields. The good move in yields higher is usually indicative of a stronger growth environment. Um, the bad move in yields higher is is due to kind of bad in inflation. Um, and so so where do we go where do we go from here in terms of the winners and losers? Um, Dollar Tree I think was one of the biggest uh, Indicators and and winners here in terms of that, I guess, quote unquote, bad um, inflation, they made an announcement that they're launching stores that would, um, you know, to to, to borrow a money market phrase, break the buck, um, moving above a dollar. For Dollar Tree, um, so that that's kind of an interesting move. Some people pointed to, it, you know, supply chain issues there and, and inflation for reasons why they'd want to be offering more goods above a dollar. I think what's a, an important misconception for some of these dollar stores is that they are low margin. Uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. They're actually very high margins, um, you know, uh, entities. It's just about how they package everything. That's so uh, a little clever. So um, just because they're they're raising prices is not an indication that they're they're profit margins are being absurdly compressed. Um, But I guess the other big winner, Merck, um, not related to the supply chain at all, uh, but between an $11 billion potential merger deal with Acceleron, uh, which they have a lead candidate in pulmonary arterial hypertension, um, that helped give a lift to shares. uh, That boosted some of the competitors in the space, like Keros Therapeutics, which jumped about 30% on some of the news. Gossamer Bio, G-O-S-S, jumped in the double digits on on the back of that, that news. And also, we got news just earlier, um, you know, towards the latter half of the week that they have a pill for COVID. I know we, uh, in the Western Hemisphere, all Americans just want to take a pill, right? Um, they don't want to take their, their medicine and, and get a vaccine, but they just want a pill to fix it. Um, Merck kind of came through with that, so much so that they had to stop the the, the data uh, because people were dying in the placebo. Um, so, all bullish news there. Scott Gottlieb called it kind of a game changer, and uh, all the vaccine names took a big hit. So Moderna was the worst, the biggest loser on the week as a result. Pfizer is also down. Biotech's also down uh, related to that, and and just some some final kind of top line biggest movers. We we have to talk about energy again. Devon Energy, Diamondback, Marathon Oil, Occidental Petroleum. Brent and WTI crude were at the highest since 2018 this, this week, plus natural gas, the highest since February 2014. Um, also giving kind of a, a boost to energy prices there and, and some of these energy uh geared equities. So, you know, I think with natural gas, some of us in the financial markets will, will think back to amaranth. Um, I don't think we're there yet. I think we have different fundamental issues at play. Uh you know, leading to the boost in prices there, but um, you know, you kind of have some some cyclical moves, but then you have a lot of inflation all over the economy.
1: Right, yeah, a lot lot going on there. Uh, Stephen, what were you watching this week? It's more a little more of the same in
3: uh, Sherwin Williams, which uh, cut guidance, blaming supply chain issues, sharply higher prices. Bed Bath and Beyond uh, yeah. had a earnings miss and uh, and weak guidance. They blame the same things. They also noted that uh, store traffic was disappointing in August and they, they blamed COVID for that. Brad mentioned the Dollar Tree thing. You know, I'll take you back to like Star Trek, right? The prime directive was not interfering with the development of civilizations, right? You can do anything you want, but don't do that. And like kind of global supply chains, um, whatever you want to call it, global order, global capitalism, you know, it's like this thousand dimensional Thing that somehow delivers prices delivers plenty of supply at the lowest prices whenever we want them, and that's been messed with. And you you want to blame COVID? You want to blame the response to COVID? Uh, the bottom line: these are all signs of uh, of too much money chasing too few goods. You know, I've been willing to give the Fed the benefit of the doubt with the transitory stuff. I think the market has as well. And I think what you're seeing in September is they're no longer giving the Fed the benefit of the doubt on that. That they've unleashed kind of this inflationary boomlet. And you can look to, you know, Sherwin Williams, Bed Bath Beyond, Dollar Tree, you can look to gasoline lines in the UK, or 20% increase in home prices in the US, or China ordering their energy companies to secure oil at any cost. These are all signs of an inflationary genie that's out of the bottle. And uh, I think if you're looking for a reason for kind of why the market is is down for more than 24 hours at a time, uh, I think that's your reason.
1: Yeah. You mentioned inflation. We had today the uh, PCE, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Report, and this came in a little hotter than anticipated. And if you look at the month, the year over year figures for the last couple of months, it's all 3% or more. And I know that inflation was at a very low base in 2020 due to COVID, but mm-hmm. the fact that it, it's going up this much has got to be a cause for concern one would think and maybe maybe it's not all just transitory well uh, just
2: we have to remember fed's dual mandate right i think um we just had some fed speak earlier that yes they may be reaching their threshold on the inflation side but the employment picture is, is still not still not solved um i guess the good news is Jolts lots of job openings um you know kind of record numbers there and and maybe that's where we'll get that permanent inflation right when when the wages rise it, it those are the sticky elements of inflation in the economy the the supply chain issues hopefully we'll get you know we'll have the market forces drive that away. You know, If you can't put everything on a shipping container, you put it on, in the air freight, or if you can't get the chips, there was even a warning, we've been talking about the semiconductor chips impacting just about every industry, right? Um, autos, I think is the most famous example. Um, now there were some recent warnings from Wall Street analysts that the, these factories are now running too hot. Um, they're almost producing too many chips now, um, now that they've finally been up and running. So um, definitely some areas that'll be transitory, but once that wage inflation, I think takes hold, Um, you know, to Steve's point, we might have something a little bit
1: more uh, structural at play. We'll have to wait and see. Yes. All right. Let's move on to the next segment of the show where we discuss our favorite stories, seeking alpha articles or other things that we've come across in our travels. Uh, There was many candidates this week uh, from this rich dad guy predicting a crash in October to CNBC starting an investing, investing club helmed by Jim Cramer who has been wrong about just about every single thing he's touched and let's not forget Ooh. the oxy media <sighs> thing um was another huge story if you guys have been following that uh, did i say oxy media i think it's ozzy media Aussie. yeah ozzy okay. like the the guy the rocker guy ozzy osborne formerly of black sabbath anyway let's start with jason who's been sitting there quietly and patiently to give us his
0: favorite pieces of the week Yeah, well, I'm going to obviously keep it to the ETF landscape. Uh, The interesting thing that I've been seeing is the continuation of thematic ETFs growing, um, being filed with the Securities Exchange Commission. We had some interesting ones this week that have some clever tickers and clever areas that can be polarizing to some degree. Alpha Architect ETFs is unveiling the Gen Z ETF, which will aim to... Invest in securities that are strictly relevant to the general generation Z individuals. Uh, We also have some leverage blockchain ETFs that we've been filed for the Elevate shares 2x daily blockchain ETF, uh, and then the inverse version. Um, And they will all be essentially traded off of the Amplify. Uh, transformational data sharing ETF, BLOK. So we'll have a little bit of a leverage and inverse version for individuals that want maximum exposure to the blockchain world. And also- um, What could go wrong? Shark Tanks. I was going to say, this sounds like a typical <laughs> sign of a top here, but go on. I'm, I'm surprised well, Steve hasn't weighed in yet. We'll, we'll let he's him. just sitting there waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> you ready to go on that? <laughs> and also uh, Shark Tank's uh, venture capitalist, Kevin O'Leary, uh, his O shares, they're announced that they're going to bolster their ETF lineup with six new funds, three of them being ESG related. Um, so we'll see where that shakes up. There's but another one. The, yeah. 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 The blockchain say, ones was... are interesting. The blockchain ones are interesting. The aspect that you'll have uh, you know twofold. Um, also within the ETF landscape, Canada has been the, again, first North American uh, nation or North America, North American country to launch a multi asset based ETF. So they're going to actually have um, Ethereum and Bitcoin held together in one ETF as just such a traditional Bitcoin or Ethereum ETF. So wow. some interesting news. Obviously, cryptos is still, um, you know, an interesting topic in the ETF world. When's it going to happen? We don't know. But uh, maybe Steve can give us an answer.
3: I mean, yeah, it's, it's all interesting. Uh, I would just, you know, I would just say to to kind of Bitcoin bulls who are, you know, waiting on the SEC to bail them out so that they can have a winning position, or just they're out of their minds. If if you think the ETF is the answer to a bull market in Bitcoin, you you don't understand it, and you probably ought to get the heck out of it. But yeah, I mean, uh, it'll certainly be interesting if it ever gets approved. I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't wait. On, I wouldn't uh, hold my breath waiting for it. though.
1: Yeah, interesting. So, any particular stories that you noticed this week, Stephen? Uh,
3: I'll just I'll just stick with the inflation one and kind of a, a under the radar uh, economic report this morning was the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report, and the headline was that it actually rose a little bit into the into the end of September after falling uh, quite sharply, mostly due to you know COVID or inflation expectations. But beneath the surface, there were some pretty Pretty nasty numbers. I believe those who expect to be better off financially, that fell to 30%, which is the lowest in about five years. Uh, Long-term inflation expectations rose to the highest in 10 years. Uh, I'll quote from their chief economist, higher inflation has already decreased living standards and further damage is anticipated. Hmm. As just 18% of all households anticipate income gains will be larger than the expected inflation rate, end quote. So again, these are starting to become kind of embedded into consumer expectations and the consumer behavior, and, and once that happens, it's it it's not so easy to kind of to kind of get rid of it.
1: Hmm. All right, Brad.
2: So to our bad inflation, good inflation conversation, um, just noticing that to, to look through the look through the tea leaves and and look for some sort of growth. Indicators as, as to why, you know, cr- crude is higher, natural gas is higher, you know, are, are these cyclical signals? Does that mean that the the growth engine is picking up in the world economy? I would point to the silver prices um, as, as an interesting point and also iron ore. We saw iron ore sell off considerably as this Evergrande crisis kind of took hold in china silver prices punched their 14-month low this week uh that hurt a lot of different miners but also it's a hugely useful industrial metal it's being used in, in just about everything um electronics and cars and and all the way down the, the line so the fact that the, the there's a little bit of a de- demand issue there um together with the iron ore situation i i would be watching that for for signs of of a growth Engine pickup in the world economy, and whether you know that that will, in conjunction with our other price pressures, uh, continue to to push everything higher. But if, if if growth starts to fall off a cliff and we have more shutdowns, you know that could be uh, you know a little bit of an offset for some of these other prices. Um, but once those two forces start to work in in closer harmony, then then I think that's something that you want you want to be able to watch.
1: All right, and for me, I want to draw attention to the uh, pro section of Seeking Alpha which is where I am now spending all of my time, except for on Fridays when I do this video. And there was a very interesting piece I came across here by Ivan Marchef um, called Powell's Words Imply Short Treasuries. This uh, goes back to everything we've been talking about. And Brad talked about how some of the Wall Street uh, analysts are, are adjusting their, their forecasts for 10-year yields downwards. Well, uh, Marchev here, Ivan says that he expects the the rate to go to the yield to go to two percent by the end of the year. He says that Powell's message prompted a sell off in bonds, um, as that was pretty clear. And now he thinks that the Fed has realized that inflation is not an, as transitory as anticipated, and could be forced to tighten interest rate policy starting next year, rather in twenty twenty three. Obviously, so he says, short the ten year. And he also says, get stay away from tech, but then value stocks, industrials, energy, materials, and financials should all do well. So very interesting piece that um, everybody should check out here. Yeah, on the, on the pro side of things. And with that, we thank you for watching and listening to the podcast slash video podcast today. Reminder that the video airs at 4 p.m., or thereabouts on Friday afternoon at the website SeekingAlpha.com. And with that, we thank you for being with us and look forward to speaking to you again next week.
0: That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to SeekingAlpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. Have a great day.